Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 59. It is very good to be with you once again, and I hope all of you are doing well. Um, As I'm recording this introduction, my voice is not at full strength, so um, it it actually is a little bit better (laughs) during the conversation uh, that I'm going to present to you in just a moment. Uh, But I wanted to come on and just uh, say hello and then also introduce my guest. Um, First of all, just a correction to the upcoming conversation. I do mention, and it is true, that this would be the second week uh, the second weekend of Something Rotten for Winston-Salem Theater Alliance, which I music directed. And, um, you know, if you have, didn't check it out, there's a bonus episode all about that production. And uh, this is the case. This is when we were supposed to be having it. Um, but um, due to special circumstances, the second week of that production has actually been postponed by a month. Um, they had to do that to stay on schedule with the next show, which is Evita. Um, but they will present that again, but it'll be at the end of September, not at the end of August. Anyways, I just wanted to clear that, clarify that before you heard that. In the context of the conversation, which I recorded um, a little under two weeks ago. So now let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. His name is Jeff Engel, and... One of the things that I've talked about on the show before is that I like to get perspective from um, not just your major meccas of theater, such as New York, um, but also all of the metropolitan areas that are around this nation and around the world, in fact. And, you know, it's true that if you're a musician in New York, and I know I've talked to people in, in Boston and Chicago, um, you know, you've got some symphony quality musicians everywhere. You've got universities and so forth. Um, Jeff lives in Bakersfield, California, which is by no means a small town, but it's not at the same uh, population level as the big cities such as uh, San Diego, San Francisco, uh, and of course, Los Angeles. Uh, According to one paper I looked at, it's the 52nd largest city and uh, very close to being the same size as Tampa, and New Orleans, and also Wichita, which is another area that we discussed on one of our episodes here with Trevor Landreth. So Bakersfield is one of those places where, uh, like so many other metro areas in this country, there are musicians there, but how do you go about finding good ones for your production, especially when you're you're not always hiring for uh high-paying professional productions, but you're, prof- you're hiring for community theaters and you're hiring for schools. Well, I mean, this is where most pit musicians in the country live. There's only select few that um, have the aptitude or even the interest of playing in a big professional Broadway pit or even on a national tour. Um, so many musicians are in these amateur productions and Jeff and I are going to talk about how in Bakersfield you go about hiring musicians like that. And we also talk about some other things like even if your theater company is 
mostly volunteers as far as actors and um, and crew members. Your music, your musicians should still be paid, and we talk about why that is, uh, and we talk about much more than that. Here's my conversation with Jeff Ingle. Yeah, I saw on the Zoom that you came across as uh, Jeff Ingle seventh grade history. So is that what you yeah. teach? <laughs> That's what I teach. I teach seventh grade world history. Nice. So it's fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think what what is what is what is history in seventh grade? I'm, I know the high school kind of, you know, you got world history, American history, and right. <laughs> all that. It's Roman Empire all the way through, like the the the. Um, um, colonists coming over to to America. Okay, so it's quite a big, quite a big spread. I, one of the things I enjoy doing is listening to the um, Great Courses series, and they have a lot of yeah. history things. And the last one I listened to, I think it was by a guy. His last name was Christian. I think it was David Christian, and his name and it was called Big History. Okay, and, and basically it's it's like taking large chunks of time. From mm-hmm. the Big Bang, <laughs> all all the way through like present day, but it you know it looks at like the whole pre-Earth universe, the oh Earth, awesome Earth to the first life, first life yeah. to the dawn of for the, fir- oh, for the first man. humans, you know, <laughs> and then like humans up to the age of agriculture, and then like agriculture wow. up to the age of the industrial revolution, man. an industrial to the digital yeah. you know so it's, it's it's pretty so it's like each section gets shorter like because yeah. the first one's like of several billion years <laughs> yeah, right yeah so you can't cover all that much and <laughs> no but it's uh, his point was you can you can see trends that you don't see in traditional history the you know like yeah how things have gone over the years so yeah. right uh, Jeff, thanks for taking time to chat with me today on this last day of freedom before you're back in school. <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, and in the middle of doing a show at the same time. Right, so. <laughs> right. What show are you doing? Uh, the Buddy Holly story. Okay. Yeah. That is. Uh, that was uh, at the theater that I do the most work for. That I, th- I think that was the last show that made it on stage before oh. before the pandemic hit in 2020. So. Yeah. They had just this was going to be our, our this is going to be our next show after because we were doing Newsies when we shut down. Right. So that was going to be the next show, and I was happy that we that I had some time because it was hard to cast the show. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you got to have people that sort of look and play like the yeah. <laughs> originals, yeah. right? Absolutely. Right. So it's fun though. We're doing it with the full live band on stage. Everyone's playing and singing. So that's fun. Um, so let's just talk about. Um, well, first of all, where are we? Where are you talking from? You're from Bakersfield, California, right? I'm from Bakersfield, California. We're about two hours north of Los Angeles. Right. Uh, so we're kind of right in the middle of everything in right. Bakersfield, about two hours away from everything. That's kind of what we say right. to trick people into coming here. Right. Um, but yeah, so out in Bakersfield, California. California, uh, born and raised. So, yeah. I remember seeing Bakersfield on the map. Oh, it's probably been 20 years now, but 
fresh out of grad school, I was thinking about moving to LA because, you know, if you want to be a film composer, that's a good thing to do. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, long story short, I didn't move to LA. But when my wife and I, we hadn't been married long, we were looking, where could we move to? Um, you know, neither of us had a job secure. So we're like, we probably can't afford to live in LA. So we started going north and uh, we were looking at a place called Palmdale, I believe is what it yeah. was. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like the houses there that, that were reasonably priced. But, but then I started thinking, it doesn't look that far on the map, but I bet traffic on the interstate is probably yeah. not easy. <laughs> and uh, right. I, had yeah, a fr we... I had a friend that was living, I think, in Glendale or Pasadena. Oh, and, okay. and, he, and he said, uh -huh. uh, he said, it may look like a good idea. It goes, but I think if you were to actually come out here, you'd find you would hate that commute. <laughs> yeah, like that's the joke is, yeah, we're two hours away from downtown L.A., depending on what time of day you go <laughs> yeah uh, what well, the one time i went out to la to, to visit i found that sunday morning about 3 30 or 4 in the morning heading to the airport yeah. was wonderful <laughs> but yeah. that was about the only time <laughs> yeah right it's either 3 30 in the morning or 11 o'clock at night driving right. in <laughs> right yeah. um yeah so you t so you teach in Bakersfield, California. You teach seventh grade history. What is your instrument? Percussion. Okay. All right. Yep. Are, yep. are, are, are you are you the true like uh, percussion mallet instrument guy, timpani, or do you do you prefer drums? I wish. Yeah. Like I go back and I kick my twelve year old self for not taking piano lessons. Right. Um, so I play mostly drums. Right. Concert drums. I do play timpani and hand percussion and all sorts of stuff like that. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know most percussionists are somewhere on the spectrum. I, I know percussionists right. that don't want to play a drum set and yeah. uh, plenty, you know, plenty of guys on a drum set that, you know, yeah. don't want mallets. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it can help right. it. So yeah. Great job. Um, so let's just get a little background. When did you right. get into music? And well, let's just start with that. When did you start, right. start music? Uh, well, I was, really lucky to uh be raised by a family of, of of musicians my dad plays trumpet still plays today um mom plays violin and piano my sister plays um uh french horn mm. um so i was kind of born into a musical family of you're gonna play some instrument right. um of course my dad kind of pushed me towards uh a trumpet my mom kind of pushed me towards piano and I was like, Ooh, drums sound fun. Right. <laughs> Those are loud. I want to do right. that. Nice. Um, and they were very supportive. They were like, okay, if you're going to do this thing, then you're going to do it right. So you're going to get lessons. You're going to learn how to read music. You're going to learn how to do the whole thing. So um, I do, I've done both drum set uh, and marching percussion stuff. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I was pretty much involved in music since my parents say I came out of the womb with, with drumsticks. Right. Um, and then pretty much since when did I get into school band? Like fourth grade, mm, and okay. then pretty much all the way through high school. Right. Just out of yeah. curiosity, is marching band a big thing in Bakersfield? It is. Yeah. It's a very big thing in Bakersfield. Right. Um, yeah, it's very competitive. Right. 
nice. out here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I marching band has created a lot of pit musicians. Uh, I, I, I mean, uh-huh. I, I obviously not for the string players, you know, and probably not for like your guitarists and, and, and keyboardists, but, yeah. but your wind players, your woodwinds and your brass, um, so many of them came, so many of them got into those instruments simply because, well, that's all you had, you know, you, you were going to do that or go on the chorus, you know, it's like, I, that was, that was the case when I was in seventh grade, I was happy playing piano, but, yeah. but in seventh grade, you had to choose band or chorus at my school. Yeah. And, uh, I was about as shy as I had ever been when I was in seventh grade. It's like, I'm not going to be singing for, for anybody. I'll, I'll yeah. gr- give me an instrument. I'll go play it. <laughs> give me something like hide behind. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, that was a pretty large middle school. It was one of seven French horns, you know, but, Oh wow. Yeah. Which, which really helped when my parents decided to move, uh, one month into seventh grade to a town where I was the only French horn. <laughs> so big, oh, down, big wow, downgrade okay. there. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Just oh, a bit. oh, a little digression. I was, I was reading about Bakersfield before we had our uh-huh. chat, just cause I, I wanted to make sure I, first of all, I knew where it was and, and I, I was yeah. right on that. There was something I didn't know about it though. Um, you know, when you think of, I think when most people think of country music, they think of the region I live in the Southeast. Yeah. Uh, but Bakersfield is actually the birth of a partic- particular type of country that we would probably associate as country music with a capital C. It's like Merle Haggard Absolutely. is from there. And Merle Haggard's here. Uh, Buck Owens. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash, not from here, but right. has been here a lot. And yeah. Yeah. So it's um, actually known as the Bakersfield sound. And, and I didn't realize, yeah. uh, I guess this just kind of shows how successful it was because there was a thing that was out in the fifties called the Nashville sound that was heavily orchestrated. And I was reading about that and I was thinking, I, mm-hmm. I that does, doesn't even pop in my head what that sounds like. I, and, and so that probably means it didn't really stand the test of time uh, yeah. because I certainly know what Merle Haggard and, and, you know, Absolutely. Johnny Cash and all these other guys sound like. So, uh, so that's a, that's a pretty good accomplishment for, uh, <laughs> you know, for for a town yeah. in an area not that I don't think most people would associate would be a birthplace for country music, but it's just funny yeah, how that and, goes. And what what's great is that like Merle Haggard still comes to town. You yeah. know, his family home just got put in the museum here. And pretty much, if you're going to be a working musician in this town, you have to play country. Right. You could do all the other things that you want to do. Like I play in, in a couple of different bands outside of theater, but mm-hmm. if you want, you know, yeah, I was looking a at, lot of gigs. I was looking at some you're of the shows that you were doing. Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard. Right. I was looking uh-huh. at some of the shows you've done. Uh, you know, you've done, uh, of course, you just mentioned the Buddy Holly story. And, uh, you know, also a big favorite around here that's been put on a couple of times is the Million Dollar Quartet. Yeah, and um, and of yeah. course there's your Johnny Cash, but it's also yeah. El, you know Elvis, uh, Carl Perkins, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, and that's a that's a really fun show. So that was my first show at the theater that I now right. work at and do all my stuff at, right. and I didn't know Million Dollar Quartet. I knew it because I'm a geek, and right. they when they were on Broadway, they performed on Letterman. Wow. So they had like a 12 minute five song mashup. Right. You know, 
of all the stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. Mm-hmm. I want to do that show. Like I knew all the music and I was like, I want to do that. So when I saw they were doing, I was like, sign me up. Let's right. go. Let's, let's do this thing. And then out of that, um, one of my bands is now comprised of a couple of those guys. Right. We kind of kept that going a little bit, then added in some some other things that we wanted to, wanted to do, but kind of kind of started us going. Right. Now, you being a, a percussionist, I, I assume you were on drums for that and kind of in yeah. the background, right? So, but yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I, I know everybody has a line or two in that show, yeah. even <laughs> right. um, even the the guys who aren't the named characters. So yeah, yeah. Um, I was looking over the list. So that's that was at the Ovation Theater. You've mm-hmm. also done some shows at the at the Empty Space Theater, which yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't know. That doesn't sound. That's not a good. That's not an enticing name for a theater. They don't I want know. Empty Space. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Um, well, it's super super small. Um, it's what maybe a seventy seat right. theater. Um, so I've done a few shows there playing in the band right. which is very difficult there because it's such a small closed space mm-hmm. uh where you are even if you're on the back of the stage you are maybe 20 feet from the back row of the audience wow so it's it's a different playing situation playing there than it is playing at the other theater where a little it's it's about a hundred seat theater so it's yeah. a lot bigger if you play it <laughs> You play a theater like that, I assume you've got to like put some cloth on the drum drum sets or something. Yeah, I was playing a electronic drum set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the The only time I played percussion in the show was for Man of La Mancha, it's just because there's no keyboard book for that, and I had oh, to play okay. something. I so I played percussion, but yeah. um, we, you know, the I was also conducting from the from the drum set, and it made sense. Oh. Just the way we were configured, that I had to be closer to the audience than anybody else with the drums, which is not normally a good idea. But right. uh, but I had some you know professional drummers in the area kind of help me uh, you oh, know good. get get some get some buffering buffing things on there you know some yeah. little pads and so forth and uh, and even still it's like they were telling me all through Tech Sunday quieter quieter drums mm-hmm. quieter and, and mm-hmm. so I, I mean i got to the point to where like i was bringing drum tips you know <laughs> m- maybe a dime a dime's thickness away from the drum yeah. before i put it back down it was it was just so so itty bitty tiny <laughs> i know i know um i've played a couple shows like that where we um we did spring awakening mm-hmm. here it was a fantastic show mm-hmm. um and the theater was still pretty new, so they didn't have all their sound system up and running to what it is now. Right. And the band was on the side of the stage, and it's supposed to be a loud show. It's, it's right. a rock show. And because we're on the side of the stage, they put some sort of metal pieces as a set piece. Mm-hmm. ended up being behind the band, so the sound just bounced back and forth. Right. So we're playing like 90s rock, but like... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> very, very quietly. Yeah. And I do, there is a theater in this area that, you know, they'll use every bit of s- stage for the, for the show itself. And, you know, they'll, they'll squeeze the band in somewhere, um, often behind set pieces. You can't even mm-hmm. see the band. And in that case, a lot of times the, 
it's a rare moment the drummer's being told play louder mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so that our cast yeah. can hear you <laughs> yeah absolutely that's how we are we have a little bit of a pit mm -hmm. which is basically just a walkway <laughs> a right. wide walkway and stage and curtains and walls in front of us so yeah we get to we get to play a little bit louder right um now you said the uh let's see what well, sorry let me let me back up you said mm -hmm. um million dollar quartet was your your first show for for ovation what, what yeah. was your first show period and when was that joseph and the amazing technicolor dream coat right when i was in high school nice um which is fun. And my parents being musicians and knowing theater, because I grew up going to theater and seeing shows, mm -hmm. they were like, oh, your school is doing this show. It happens to be at the Pantages in Hollywood on tour. Right. We're going to go see it. Right. So I got to go see it. And I was like, oh, I understand what's happening now. Right. Um, but so funny story about that. So that's my first time reading a Broadway book, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, of course my very happy for my, my reading chops. Um, then about two years ago, I got a call from one of our local colleges from, from Bakersfield college that they needed a drummer to do that show again. Nice. Yeah. And it ended up being the exact same director. Who's been yeah. a friend of mine this whole time, exact same director from when I was in high school is now directing at the college. And we were doing the show again. And we we're like, Oh, this is hilarious. Right. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. We've got Bakersfield college. We've got ovation theater, empty space theater. And, mm -hmm. um, you also have, uh, one called stars theater that you've yeah. done some recent shows. What kind of, uh, are these all community theaters in your yep. area? Yeah. Yeah. These are all, all community theaters. Um, I think we got four or five in town, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. All doing vastly different things, which is great. Right. Um, pretty much stars and ovation are the only two who use live music just right. because they're bigger. Right. Um, so most of the musicians go back and forth between those two places. Right. Um, yeah. And, and just cause I know that areas are different. Uh, do, mm -hmm. do, do, do players get paid for community theaters in your area? Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. I know, um, I know it's not often that much, especially right. compared to, you know, professional gigs, you know, professional yeah. theaters and so forth. But, uh, yeah, that is nice to know. I, I every now and then I, I hear where it's like it's all volunteer, and I, and I just think that's a. I'm 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 never comfortable hearing that. It's nice to know that yeah. they get paid something at least. Right. So, I'm kind of the same way. Kind of like, mm -hmm. right. The the thing that the way that I've been with theaters is that, mm -hmm. especially since I've taken over and coordinating musicians and contract musicians, I'm right. like, if you want good players, right, you're gonna have to pay us. They don't need a whole lot because all the players I have are band directors or, right. you know, they all have careers. So they're not in it for the money, but at right. the same time, it's, it's a nice little bonus at the end of a four week run. Right. I, I always feel funny talking about this. If they're, especially if there are any community theater actors listening, because <laughs> um, I do a lot of work for the same theater that often features a lot of the same actors in the shows. Yeah. 
and you know the actors do it for free and they saw they often have full-time jobs and i'm just um i i really have a hard time understanding what it is that drives them to willingly and lovingly do that so often it's like because it is a lot of work for the for as a music director but yeah. I feel like they even do more work because they've got to think about costumes and dance and singing, learning lines, yeah. and you yeah. know, be, being community theater. It's like there, there's nothing that's designated for other people. The actors are moving set pieces if they're not on the stage, and they're sometimes they're helping get their own costumes or make their own costumes and um, yeah. helping put helping build the stage. I mean, it's just it's kind of unreal. Uh, cleaning the bathrooms, you know, for the show. I mean, it all right, goes together. <laughs> and I and I'm just and so so I feel kind of bad about complaining about pay, you know, for right. showing up. But at the same time, it is a professional thing. It's like you you can conceivably get anybody to act, you know, and to to do what's necessary on a certain level. But it does take years of training to play an instrument mm-hmm. that's well enough that you you're going to hear that musician and say yeah that's a better that's better than getting a track <laughs> right. which, which is an ongoing thing we have to work on <laughs> yeah that is a thing that i've been working on and like i look back if i had done this position a couple of years ago i'd have been like well let's use live musicians for for everything right and as i've gotten older and learned about how shows work in different types of shows, the spacing and, and the, the amount of orchestration that's needed for shows. You know, there are shows where I'm like, you know what? No, we can't, right. you know, like we're doing um, uh, sound and music next. Yeah. And the director came to me and was like, I really want a live band. I said, no, <laughs> it's a 20 piece orchestra. Right. You know, and I don't want to cheapen it. Yeah, you know, by having seven musicians, like I, I just don't. I don't want to cheapen the the production. Right. So we decided to do a thing. We're doing uh, what are we doing? Two pianos mm-hmm. and a cello. Right. And then um, talking to the musicians about it, and they're like, "Okay, let's do this thing. Let's work it out. We can add parts. We can sell." Right. I've been really lucky with that and yeah. having a theater who will work with me, you know? Yeah. If you have a, a keyboardist who's really technically savvy, you can, uh, yeah. it, you, it, well, and also kind of with some arranging chops, you can create yes. some sweetener tracks, you know, yeah. so where you add those on and, mm-hmm. um, you know, talk to a few people that do that. So that's, that's always interesting. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about, you know, connecting mm-hmm. like the local musicians that are yeah. in Bakersfield. Cause I, I'm going to assume that, you know, the, the way, as hard as it is to get around in LA, you're, you, you may more likely have people going from Bakersfield to LA than the other way around, but I don't yeah. know that. Um, what, so you said you get, a, you, you know, a lot of band directors, but how do you mm-hmm. make connections with good musicians in, in Bakersfield? Well, the thing that I've done is I have become very good friends with both of the music professors, jazz professors at both of our of our colleges. Mm-hmm. So Bakersfield College and then uh, uh, Cal State Bakersfield. Um, I've become very good friends with them where I can reach out to them. Mm-hmm. You know, if 
if I need some horn players for a show, I could reach out to one of them and say, hey, I need these types of horns for this type of show and because I can't get anybody for it. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that'd be fun. And then we set them up with like comp tickets or, you know, just something as a, as a thank you. Um, But the other thing we have is we have a, a jazz workshop Mm -hmm. and I kind of got involved in that a couple years ago and that's been able to meet more musicians and just gigging, gigging around town, um, knowing lots of band directors because I was involved in that for years. Um, And just, the thing that I've learned is that it's one thing to hire good musicians, but to keep them, you have to build a, a relationship with them. Right. So it's all about, you know, yeah, I can find the best musicians, but I also want to find musicians that I don't mind sitting in a pit with for five weeks, Yeah. you know, and all during tech week. Like I want musicians who are going to be like, I get it. Tech week is hard. We might be here till midnight a couple of times. And that's okay. We got a job to do. Let's get this done. Yeah. You know, but we're going to have some fun. Um, so that's kind of how I got my, this sounds bad, but my stable of musicians um, of just kind of being like, these are the guys that I really like, that I really want to do. And I've kind of discovered a, uh, I started having a, a rotation for the different types of shows that we do. You know, right. we're if we're doing a show that, re- that that's more of a rock show mm-hmm. like with rent, I know the musicians who are perfect for that. I know the bass player and guitar player and keyboard player who are like, yeah, that's my wheelhouse. Let, let's do that. Do that. Mm-hmm. Or if we're doing uh, newsies where you need people who can have a little bit of swing. Yeah. I know the musicians and the horn players who can do that. Right. And also you know, and the one thing I kind of demand of all my people is everyone has to read. Right. Everyone, I mean, as you know that too, in theater, you get people who are like, oh, yeah, no, no that'd be fun. No, I can't read music, though. Okay. Right. <laughs> Come and sit in the pit with us. Right. <laughs> and then they figure it out real fast. Yep. You know, not to discourage people because I want to encourage people. But at the same time, you know, right. Here's what you need to learn. Um, so, yeah, so I've been um, just kind of working on relationships, kind of building relationships, right. making it fun. And the other thing that's been great about Ovation is that the band is part of the, the cast and the crew, even though we're backstage and we're we're on the side of the stage we're in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. So we get to know all the actors. We get to know the crew and we become a part of it where there's this open dialogue where actors can come to us and be like, Hey, can we run that song again? Or this felt weird last night or whatever it is. Um, so that's helped the, the musicians right. as well. Cause not a lot of the theaters do that around here, which is sad. Right. Kind of like you're the band, you're down there in the pit. Um, but here has always been, no, you're, you're a part of the whole crew. Right. And we're all going to hang out together. Like we're doing this thing t- together. So that's been fantastic. Nice.
you mentioned newsies and you were talking about specific musicians and somewhere i took a photo of the inside cover of the piano conductor score um i'm gonna see if i'm gonna see if i can (laughs) find this real quick this is this is the only show that i've ever done that's been specific about what types of qualities each musician should have you know so it was yes i remember that i remember that and just dying laughing when i saw that yeah (laughs) yes i that's the first time i've ever seen that and this is says uh detailed instrumentation breakdown and uh reed requires a great all-purpose woodwind player 30 percent flute many exposed solos five percent piccolo rarely used 25% clarinets, standard show feel with some legit solos, 30% soprano sax, some period Chicago-y stuff, (laughs) some rock, no improvising, 10% alto sax. Mm -hmm. Um, I won't read all of these, but uh, the trumpet. Demanding trumpet part, requiring great technique and stamina. 85% commercial lead trumpet part requiring a great 1970s lead sound and ability to play in a variety of styles. One swing number, 15% beautiful classical chamber music orchestral sound required. Very important, mellifluous, <laughs> mellifluous trumpet solo opens the show. So uh, so here's what they say about your part. Uh, did you do percussion or drum set? Uh, both. Both, okay. So percussion. Schooled, per- schooled percussionist with a great commercial feel. Requires someone who can play with a high-spirited energy. <laughs> Needs a strong mallet, <laughs> yeah. uh, strong mallet player with a good feel on congas uh, and bongos as well. 45% mallets, 25% xylophone, 15% bell, 5% chimes, 20% congas uh, and bongos, 15% temps, two 26-inch mm-hmm. drums and a 29-inch drum, 15% field and snare, 10% field, 5% yeah. snare, and 5% toys, wind chimes, and triangle most predominant. And for the drum set, standard contemporary Broadway commercial drum part. Needs to read music and play in a variety of styles ranging from pop, rock, and jazz with one swing number. Some complicated military-style snare material that requires great snare drum technique. <laughs> Last one, ability to follow a conductor. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> Um, every, every instrument has that on there. I've never seen anything Mm -hmm. even vaguely like it on another book. Me neither. Yeah. And so when we first got the books, I read that and I screenshot it and sent it to, (laughs) because we have a group chat of all the musicians and I was like, Hey guys, (laughs) I don't think we're up to this quality. (laughs) Right. Um, so the, the the read player she was like so how many horns do i bring <laughs> i'm like well how many do you want to bring she's like well, i can bring a lot I'm like, okay the drum yeah. player was like okay i remember him saying he was so nervous every night because he starts the show right he starts yeah. the show he's like oh don't crack don't crack don't crack right that was a fun show that was uh it was a big orchestra for us two keys mm-hmm uh, trumpet, reed, and trombone, then bass, drums, and guitar. Right. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I've only been in a track situation with that. That, that is a show that, I, you know, it's definitely one with the right theater we could do in this area. We just, I just haven't had a chance to do that one yet, but uh, that's, that's on the list. That's one of the ones I'd be willing to, 
I, I don't, I don't, for shows that I've done before, I'm not one of those that looks forward to doing the same show again and again and again. Yeah. But uh, Newsies is, is definitely on that list of ones that I would be happy to do again, especially with a live band. <laughs> that was one that I kind of, that, that I pushed for from the beginning when we, um, I'm lucky enough that I get a say in the season, you know, we all come with our list and right. uh, I always go for the fun musical shows where I'm right. like, these are the ones that I want to play. Um, but um, when we sat on that one, that was the one I was pushing from the get go of you need to have live musicians. You need to have live musicians. And the great thing is they, they trust me. Right. And they know that if I get a live band, it's going to be good. Right. And they're like, okay, we'll make it work. I said, I, I, I know it's a big show. I know there's lots of props, but right. the show will come more to life if you have a live band. Like, right. Yeah, we got you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, we were so sad that we only got two weeks of a six week run. Yeah. Before everything shut down. So we were so sad about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So we were going to come back with that one, but by then, we would they would have had to pretty much recast the right um you know people moving away to college and doing life right you know i was just thinking uh you know talking about musicians and you know talking earlier about the the bakersfield country mm -hmm. birth and all that i uh, i think i would almost rather be in your area for the show that i'm trying to hire a piece for right now and because it's um it's the second time we've done uh always the patsy klein story oh yeah we've done that a couple of times here yeah and we did that yeah. uh we did that actually outdoors last summer it was one of the few oh, outdoor fun. gigs we did and we had on the schedule it was kind of a, a little contract contractual agreement that there's mm -hmm. a theater in a county next door that about once a year, uh, the the theater in Winston-Salem will go over there to do like a one weekend of the show. Oh. But they said, uh, indoors only, pandemic, we're, we don't want that right now, but can we do it in 2021? So it's scheduled for the end of September and all that. Oh, well, fun. You know, it's it's hard to, for the pay around here, you know, it's yeah. hard to to ask musicians to hold a weekend for a year. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I, I didn't ask him to do that. I said, please save the date. Just know that it's there. Uh, but I said, you know, if you guys get a good opportunity, you know, just let me know about it. So, you know, anyways, uh, drummers on board, guitarists on board, bass, violin, and me That's on keys awesome. all on board. But our pedal steel guitarist, it's like, said oh nope i got gigs uh, coming up i can't do that so that is one of those instruments that is not we don't have an abundance around here a, a guy who has who can play pedal steel that understands theater at all and can read off a chart <laughs> so like we got yeah i, I i'm gonna i've got uh, a yeah. few more names but I'm, I'm i'm starting to think about how would it sound on a keyboard with a pitch bend. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's really close to that. Right. I know. Now we have a guitar player that I use all the time. Who's a very good, good friend of mine. Mm. Um, he's one of those weirdos who will be like, Oh, you want to play banjo for a show? Sure. Let me go learn how to play banjo, oh, <laughs> you know, and right. he'll just pick it up and play it. 
And he's the same way if we did that show and I'm like, hey, do you want to play pedal steel? He's like, I can learn how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, man. Yep. He's one of those, which is why I hire him for everything. Yeah. Putting together Buddy was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so myself and the, and the guitar player, we're the, uh, um, the crickets. Right. <laughs> so we're the band. And... Mm-hmm. We've acted before, you right. know, always in like ensemble roles or whatever. But right. for this one, we're acting, singing, and playing all the songs. Right. And the kid who's playing Buddy Holly is a 22-year-old uh, who's fantastic, never done theater. Wow. Uh, but he showed up to his audition. Well, he's sitting in a, a, a video and playing and singing just fine um playing some of the lead lines on guitar showed up to his audition and we kind of threw some more buddy holly songs at him and he was like oh yeah i could do that one too yeah do you, do you also want to play the the solo sure and um so that part's been fun um but then it so it was fun the, the the crickets were the first group to come together and then it was filling in all the other roles mm-hmm. So my job became more than just putting the band together. It was also, hey, we need a big bopper. <laughs> right. Hey, we need a Richie Balance, you know, and just finding the right fits, which we did. Found the right fit and then uh, got horn players for the show because there's a there's a concert at the end that has a, a, a horn section and a piano player. Right. So, yeah. Right. So they enjoyed it. They're like, I don't have to play the whole show. This is awesome. Nice. Well, let's let's get to this part of the, uh, that I do on most shows. I always like to ask, yeah. what's a favorite? Uh, well, I shouldn't say favorite. What what <laughs> What is a memorable horror story from your time in the pit? Oh, goodness. I think my number one, because I was trying to remember. I was talking to my friends who are doing this show. I've done tons of shows with. I was like, guys, has anything awful happened? Mm-hmm. They're like, not that I can remember. So, right. but it happens at another theater. We were doing, doing Sweeney Todd, and we showed up on a Saturday, and it was one of those weird situations. I've never had that with this group, but half the band was gone for gigs. Right. So doing Sweeney Todd with drums, bass, cello, and piano. Right. <laughs> All of our wind players were gone. Right. So it was so that was weird. And we get there and we start playing the first number, the overture, keyboard dies. Mm. So it's like (laughs) you know, it's all synthesizer patches, all this organ, like church organ sounds, you know. Yeah. Keyboard dies, starts going in and out Mm. for the entire first act. We had no time, you know, to change it. You're playing through the whole show. Mm. And we're kind of looking at each other like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this right. is going to be bad. And the poor actors on stage, like, they held it together. Yeah. You know, because they were smart. So they figured out, oh, something's wrong with the keyboard. Okay, we need to focus on something else musically for our parts. Right. So finally, we get through the first act. And then we find a regular piano in the theater pull it out, bring it to the pit, and then played the rest of the show like that, and everything was fine. Nice. <laughs> and then the next day, they sent the keyboard out and got it fixed, but it was like, oh, my gosh. Yep. That was the scariest thing. Right. The 
funniest moment happened. We just did Rent, mm-hmm. which is so much fun. And amazing band, amazing crap, cast and crew. Right. And all the band at Ovation, all the musicians are wearing um, headphones. Right. So we're all on, on monitors, and it makes it so much easier. And so we have the cast in our ears that's on stage. We can hear them, hear ourselves, everything else. And we're going through the show, and we get to one song where it's I, – I, I forget what song it was, but there was two actors singing, and there's lots of vocal cues of moving on to the next part. A lot wow. of dialogue in the middle. And right when that song happened, someone else's mic in the dressing rooms turned on, <laughs> but not on in the house, just right. on in our headphones. And all of a sudden, we heard every single conversation that was going on because they don't know. We heard every single conversation going on in like the girls' dressing room. Right. Meanwhile, we're trying to listen for vocal cues, for dialogue cues. Like, ah. Yep. (laughs) You know. So I texted the the sound tech. I was like, (laughs) This is happening right now. So I told the I told the girls about it later because I I got to know them pretty well. I said, like, "You guys would not believe what happened." They're like, "Oh my god, that was the worst that has happened." And so then it became a joke mm-hmm. where not during the show, but like the sound tech decided to have fun with me, right. and because we're on different channels, and so at the beginning of the show, all the mics backstage would all be on, right? And this was the next time I'm like, "Oh God, not again." Not again. Right. And then they all turned off. I was like, okay. Right. But yeah. And now I'm wearing a mic for this show, wearing a body mic. Right. And it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one's on headphones because I'm playing on stage the whole time. So right. it's like, it's fine. Right. <laughs> and not wearing headphones because I'm on stage. So, yeah. You know. So that, so that part's better. Right. Um, Another question that I've asked quite a bit, but I've I've kind of changed the way I, I think about asking it, and that is so what is what is a moment from your time in theater that whenever you think about it, it reminds you that this is why you still do it. This is why you still love theater. I think for me, the reason why I keep doing it is just that energy that you get mm-hmm. from the beginning of the show. When you know, like, even if I'm in the pit and you can't see the crowd at all, mm-hmm. um, this happened opening night of Newsies. They finished the first song. You know, it's huge. Everyone's tapping and everything else. And we didn't see the the, the crowd, but all of a sudden we could hear the applause. Right. And it was just like we were looking at each other going, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Like, we were not, like, this show is good, yes, but, like, wow. Um, And also just the friendships that you make, just the um, friendships and the the, the lasting relationships that you make doing shows, because we're kind of all in this situation together, Mm -hmm. and it's just fun. Like, it's, it's fun for the musicians to come back and do a show and we have stories to tell about other shows that we did together. Oh, you remember that time when this thing happened or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but yeah, for me, I think it's just, it's, it's mostly it's the relationships. Mm -hmm. Like I know I'm going to have a good time. Right. I know I'm going to have fun. I'm doing this with my friends, uh, both cast and band. Like I know I'm doing this with my friends and we're going to have a great time doing this thing. Right. And the extra bonus is when the crowd loves it too. Right. You know, that's kind of the, the extra bonus, which is fun. (laughs) Right. Well, I I certainly relate to that. Uh, I often think about how, you know, (laughs) memory is kind of a funny thing because it, it, it changes. It it can very easily change depending on, you know, certain factors. I have to, to struggle at now to remember Mm -hmm. how much I did not enjoy working on Les Miserables up until opening night. And and, and I shouldn't say that there were some really good moments. I I should say this. I didn't enjoy it from Tech Sunday through the last dress rehearsal. That was a very stressful moment. And I have to, it's work for me to remember that now because Mm -hmm. the energy of opening night onward just erased all of that negativity. It's like it was, I, I, when I think of that show, I think I, I would love to do that again, but I have to remind myself it wasn't all great. <laughs> it no. was just, it was just a great payoff, you know? That's kind of how this show was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my wife was kind of like really doing rent and then you're jumping back into another show. Cause I really never do that. It's always right. And being in the pit, we're just there for tech week and then we go. Right. But, you know, being in a show, being mm-hmm. an actor in a show where you're in rehearsals from day one, um, I was just like, it was so hard to get people to do the show. Right. Getting the musicians was actually the easiest part. Finding a bass player was, was hard because uh, it had to be a certain age and who could do all the things. But like that, that was the hardest part for me. And that and that was the part where I have to remember if someone again down the road is like, hey, let's do buddy again. Like, no. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot of work to put together a band. And for me, it was when we had our first <clears throat> band rehearsal, then I was like, okay, this is gonna work. This and this is gonna be fine. And then from then on, it was like, okay, here we go. Right. Then my stress could focus on, you know, acting yeah. and singing and, right. you know, n- not running into people on stage and, you know, all that stuff. All right. <laughs> so, so, that so what are the projects or what are the, what are the shows that are coming up that you know about? Uh, so sounding music is mm-hmm. in rehearsal um, mm-hmm. right now. And they were like, you want to play drums? I'm like, no, I do not. <laughs> um, but so that's coming up and then we're doing elf. Mm-hmm. Um, which we're doing a live band for, for that one, which I'm looking forward because uh, no one's done that in this town yet. Right. Um, and what theater is doing, what doing that? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the, the Ovation Theater. Okay. They're, they're doing Elf. Uh, and then what else we got going on? The other show we're doing a full band for is Something Rotten, and that's in April. Uh, so something rotten. I, I would love to do that to do that with a band. That is a track yeah. show that I'm music directing, and it opens 
well, well, let's see, by the time this comes out, it'll be on a second weekend. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. But, it, but it's, uh, yeah. as, we're, as we're, as we're interviewing this, it, this is tech Sunday and, and oh, okay. yeah, I, I am not there <laughs> today, but I'll be there for the dress rehearsal tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, we're doing, uh, into the woods. And I was like, no, let's, let's use tracks. Like yeah. just because, um, I don't want to burn out my people. And mm-hmm. also I'm like, I don't want to use you know, same thing with sound and music. I'm, I, I don't want to take away. Right. You know, yeah. Cause that's the hardest thing to get for theater or string players. Right. It's the hardest thing to get in this town. There are tons of string players who are fantastic, mm-hmm. but they're gigging. Yeah. You know, they're, they're doing all the symphony stuff, which is wonderful and fantastic. Right. right. But it's very hard to get string play. Like, you know, a quartet of string players. It's very difficult. Right. Yeah. For however much we can pay them. Yeah. Do you have somewhere that you'd like to share where people can follow or connect with you? Yeah. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Facebook, just Jeff Engel. J-E-F-F-I-N-G-L-E. Uh, Instagram is Engel Drummer. Okay. Yeah. Right. Engel drummer and um, mostly on Instagram, a little bit also on Facebook. I post a lot of theater stuff. Um, yeah. I meant to do more with Buddy Holly, but okay. just being involved in it, yeah, my brain's always like, "Hey, I need to take some pit." Like I've done a lot of promoting of the show, but I'm like, "Hey, I need to take like a behind the scenes picture of what I always right. get to the theater and the gazillion things are going on." Right. Um, that's been the thing that's been there, there are one other person. She's the she has my position at Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and we share a lot of the same musicians. And what's good is her and I keep in a good relationship. Right. And you know, it's not about stealing musicians right. at all. It's about getting the right people. Mm-hmm. And then I just try to make it a really good environment, fun environment want them to stay and you know i've been really lucky to have a lot of friends and get to know a lot of a lot more friends through this so right so it's been fun all right yeah well uh again thank you for taking time to chat today and good luck with your next school year yeah appreciate that (laughs) and that wraps up episode number 59 and uh also it'll be the last episode for august And uh, I'm in kind of a rare position for this podcast in that I don't really know what's next. I have some future guests planned, but it's just a matter of uh, when exactly uh, I can get those episodes ready. And um, the best I can say is that I'll do my best to get at least one episode out to you in September. And, um, of course, the best way to know what's coming next, you'll hear that in my usual script at the end to make sure that you're following us where Life in the Pit is available. Uh, So on that note, as a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or on Twitter or Facebook at David M. Lane Music. And as always, a special thank you to Mark Perillo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about the podcast, leave feedback, or leave a donation 
through davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast. And please share with your friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you.